As Frank said, today we'll be in Psalm chapter 46. We're going to be talking about how God is our refuge. And I was thinking this morning, what would be the first thing that I could say? Could I come out with a joke? Could I come out with something that would be really catchy that, hey, you know, I've got you all the way through the message? And the only thing that I could think about as I was thinking about a refuge is I had a 1980s movie flash in front of my mind. Some of you were not even born in the 80s. I got that. Some of you wish that you blinked and the 80s were gone. But in my mind, I had this idea of an American and uh, somebody else being in Russia. And there's riots and there's chaos and there's everything else. And their whole objective is to get to the U.S. Embassy. And as they're running toward the embassy, of course, as the movie would go, it gets harder and harder. The closer you get, the harder and harder it is to get there. But then they finally come to the place where they see the Marines guarding the U.S. Embassy, and all they do is just wave a passport, says, I'm a U.S. citizen, and they just let them through, and then there's a big sigh of relief. Many of us as believers, we're struggling with things in life today, and we're wondering can we get to be, can we get to that refuge that is God? Will he let us in? And today we're going to find out for the believer, all you got to do is say, hey God, I'm here. I'm here. Look at me. I'm redeemed by the blood of Jesus. And God says, come on through. And it's a big sigh of relief. So whatever you're facing today, whatever you're going through today, this message, I pray God will use in a mighty way. Will you pray with me? And let's ask God to bless this. Father, in Jesus' name, the only name that matters in life. God, in his name, we come before you today. And God, we're making much of your word today. And as we make much of your word today, God, I pray that you will do what you always said that you promised you would do, that if we lift Jesus and put him high and mighty and put him in the center of everything, that you draw all men, women, boys, and girls into yourself. God, this is not something I can do. This is only something that you can do. And God, we come in scattered across life, different ages of life, different stages of life, different trials, different tribulations, different joys, different mountaintop experience, and different valley experience. But one thing remains the same. You are the same God. And Father, we ask you today... And we ask that the Holy Spirit has permission to walk in and out, up and down the aisles, in and out of every seat. And Lord, we just ask that you indwell your word and make much of Jesus today. We ask this in his name. Amen. Psalm chapter 46. If you have your copy, we're going to read that this morning. I'm reading out of the CSB version. So whatever version you feel comfortable with, you follow along with me. This is what the word of God says. God is our refuge and strength a helper or ever-present help in times of trouble who is always found. Therefore, we, we will not be afraid though the earth trembles and the mountains topple into the depths of the sea, though its waters roar and foams and the mountains quake with its turmoil. There is a river. Its streams delight the city of God, the holy dwelling place of the Most High. God is within her. She will not be toppled. God will help her when the, when the morning dawns, nations rages, or nations rage, kingdoms topple, the earth melts when he lifts his voice, 
The Lord of armies is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. Come, see the works of the Lord who brings devastation on the earth. He makes war cease throughout the earth. He shatters bow and, and cuts spears to pieces. He sets wagons ablaze. Stop your fighting. Be still and know that I am God. Exalted among the nations, exalted on the earth. The Lord of armies is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. I have three simple points today. It may take me an hour and a half to get to these three simple points, but I got three simple points. I heard the wailing and moaning and gnashing of teeth. Very simply this, the very first point in verses one through three, God can always be found. God can always be found. God is the believer's refuge. Verse one tells us that. It's the shelter from the elements. It's the place of peace. It's the protection from danger and distress. It's, it's that idea that when something is putting our life in danger that we can run to and have that sense of security. In my mind, I also, I also see, uh, I don't know what it is in my mind. My mind, let me tell you, when you drink enough caffeine, your mind does weird things. You think about weird things. I think about all these things that I've seen on Facebook about people being out in the middle of, uh, being out in the middle of a field and lightning strikes, and they just all panic. And they're running for a place of shelter. I, 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 in my mind, I see all these people filming catastrophes. They don't even know it's catastrophes, and they're filming catastrophes. And at the moment that the catastrophe hits, everybody scatters, and they run in a panic. A world without Jesus Christ has no hope of security. But believers who have Jesus Christ as their hope are anchored in peace in the midst of a turbulent world. Though the whole world around me melts, Jesus Christ will keep me. He promised that. And even if he doesn't save my life, he will see me safely home. He promised that. So either way, as Paul said, to be a... For me to live is Christ, but even to die is gain because I get to be with Christ. So if the believer has a place of peace and protection from what the world does not. But also the Bible says that God is the believer's strength. He's the power supply that is never ending. He's the dominating force that can absolutely overwhelm anything that me and you face today. Anything. The moment that we say that God can't answer prayer, we have minimized God. God cannot be minimized. God cannot be put in a box. Aren't you glad you don't serve a God that can be put in a box? I swear I heard an amen somewhere. God can be found by the believer in times of trouble. Do you know that when, when trouble hits, we run to what we trust the most? So when trouble hits your life, when, when things just go awry, who or what do you run to? Because whatever you run to, that is your God. That is what you think can save you. In the Old Testament times, God came brought judgment against Jerusalem and against Judah and against all of Israel because in their times of trouble, they ran to wooden idols. They ran to idols made out of gold and wood and stone that could not save they, forsake, they forsook the living God, the only true God. They forsook him. 
And God told him one time, let your idols save you if they can. So what do you run to? Do you run to the living God? Do you run to something else that you think that has more power than God? But within this idea of God always being found, verse 2 and 3 gives us the thing that is the therefore. Anytime that there's a therefore, it's there for a reason. How'd you like that? That was cool, right? It's not mine. It's somebody else's bullet I fired in my gun. That's it. Therefore, we will not be afraid because God is a refuge. God is a never-ending source of power for our lives. We will not be afraid. Are you afraid? Because if you listen to the news, there are a lot of people who are afraid. If you read any kind of social media or any paper, people are afraid. But the Bible says, as the believer, since God is our refuge, since he is our strength, since he can always be found, we don't have fear, or do we? You know, it's amazing. I am, I'm going to be honest, I'm afraid right now. My 18-year-old daughter is driving to see her grandparents in Tennessee as we speak. So there is a little bit of fear in my heart. The fear, the fear is that the kid's going to run out of gas and not even know she's out of gas. Because E stands for enough, right? I hope she's watching this. The, the, the Bible says, because God is that, we will not fear. But look what happens right here in verses 2 and 3. It says, though the earth trembles and the mountains topple into the depths of the sea, though the water roars and foams and the mountains quake with its turmoil, it's talking about an earthquake. Earthquakes, a real earthquake. Earthquakes happen in life. We have earthquakes all the time. Matter of fact, I want to tell you about, a, a, it's called the Great Lisbon Earthquake. Lisbon is the capital of Portugal. It's on the southeast side of Portugal on the Atlantic coast. And one of the most disastrous earthquakes ever hit that city was on November the 1st, 1755. If it was gauged on the Richter scale, it would be between an 8.75 and a 9. The shock was felt all over Portugal and Spain. Three successive strokes of movement destroyed all houses in the lower part of the city. The sea was forced back and rolled into a height of 40 feet above sea level. And this ebb and flow continued all day and most of the night. But the crazy thing is that there were similar tidal waves that were observed all along the Spanish coast. And Portugal and Spain and the Straits of Gibraltar, then Morocco and Africa. Even to Holland on the south and east coast of the British islands. And even across the Atlantic to Antigua and Barbados. Even inland waters were agitated. Lakes in Switzerland and Italy were set in oscillation. They just started going around in circle. Even Loch Ness in Scotland, which was 1,300 miles away, was affected. John Wesley, the great evangelist of, that had part of the Great Awakening, issued a pamphlet entitled, Serious Thoughts Occasioned by the Great Earthquake in Lisbon. Seeing as it was a sign of divine displeasure and impending judgment. 
The Bible says, even though the whole world is shaken, the believer in Jesus Christ is secure. If you have faith in Christ and Christ has redeemed your life, though the mountains fall into the sea, though the seas rise, though the world is destroyed, you are safe and secure. There's earthquakes of life. There's famines of life. There's hurricanes of life. There's tsunamis of life. The real physical storms will come, but the spiritual storms will also come. So the question is again, who or what do you run to? Is God truly your refuge? Is he your anchor point? The psalmist says that God is his refuge, that God is his strength. He also says that God is his helper. And in the Old Testament, the idea of a helper is different than what we may think of. It's one who provided aid or relief. It's not like what we would consider today. Today we would consider a helper, hey, you come and help me finish my task. But in the Old Testament, a helper was sent to, a, to finish and complete God's task. It's funny, the mission has always been God's mission. If you're on mission with God, he is ready to aid you and provide relief in those times. But if you're doing your own mission in life, if you're walking your own way without the, the center and the focal point being on Jesus Christ in your life, your mission will fail on its own because there's no one to come and aid you. Because God is about his glory, and he doesn't share his glory with another person. The Bible says God's mission will never fail. Even if the human element of that part of that mission seemingly struggled and was met with defeat, God always came to the rescue in some matter that brought glory to himself. So God can always be found. Number two, look how fast we're moving through. God is never shaken. In God, is, is God all-powerful? Does God know everything? Does God know about this COVID stuff? Can God not do anything about this COVID stuff? Can God not do anything about famine? Can God not do anything about natural disasters? Can, 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 even when we're shaken, God is not shaken. There's nothing that rattles God on his throne. The all-knowing, all-powerful, all-loving creator God who holds the world in the palm of his hands and that the universe is so expanding now just because he said in the beginning, let it be, and it's still being. Me and you are here because he is sustaining everything. The Bible says that Jesus is why me and you are breathing today, that he sustains everything. Nothing happens without Jesus. So if you have Jesus, you've got all of everything you need in life. I may start my own clapping ministry here in a minute. I don't know. But the Bible says in verse 4, there is a river. Its streams delight the city of God, the holy dwelling place of the Most High. God is within her. She will not be toppled. There's no natural river that runs into Jerusalem. They run around Jerusalem because it's higher. It's lifted on a higher point. But Hezekiah one time at Sennacherib from Assyria was getting ready to invade. And he's like, you know what? They don't need any of this water. So he dug a channel. And many of you know about it because you see people on tours. They walk through it. Hezekiah dug a channel and, and redirected a spring so that Jerusalem would have water. And it was a life-giving thing. 
to a place that was dry and desolate, every time that water comes, it brings life. It wasn't, it's just like now, the, the, the river that's talking about here is not a turbulent river. It's not a struggling river. It's not a, li a little river that has just a little bit of water. It's not a river that is of no small importance. It's, it's a river that actually brings and sustains life. But it's also a spiritual river. It is his spirit who brings grace and security and peace. He brings life and he brings purpose. He brings the balm that, that, that we need at a time to heal our wounds. And at other times he uses a sharp sword to perform needed surgery within our lives. He is always focused on life. I'm so grateful that God is God enough, that he loves me enough, that he will do the surgery to cut certain things out of my life to make me healthier. I don't know of anybody who just has a surgery just to have a surgery. Do you? When God performs a surgery, it's to make us better than we were. It's to cut things out that are harmful to our lives. God provides that river. But check this out. God dwells in Zion, and it will never be toppled. God will be her stability. That's an interesting word, stability. How does one have stability in life? Can I simply tell you this answer? This is the simplest answer that a, a redneck from Mississippi can understand. How does one have stability in life? By standing on truth. When you stand on truth, truth doesn't get shaken. I'm going to start my clapping ministry if y'all don't. I didn't mean for you to clap. I said I was going to clap. So here's the whole thing. God is stability. His word is truth. If you stand on the word of God, you will stand in truth every time, and you will not be shaken, no matter what the world says, because we're going to see here in just a second what happens. Because in verse 6, it says, those who are without God, those who are opposed to God, the nations rage, the kingdoms topple, the earth melts when he lifts his voice. It's a, it's a fascinating thing that kingdoms constantly are rising and falling. We have national crises. The nations are raging. And it's the same word used here for the water roaring in verse 3. Just as in nature, as nature has chaos, humanity has its chaos. I found this article that was written in the mid-60s or 70s. It comes out of something called the Canadian Army Journal. And it was a former president of the Norwegian Academy of Sciences, aided by historians from England, Egypt, Germany, and India, who came up with some fantastic figures and findings. Now, hold on to your seat. There's going to be some numbers thrown out here, but just hang on. Since 3600 B.C., before Christ, the world has known only 292 years of peace. During this period, there have been 14,531 wars. Now, this is from the 60s and 70s, large and small, in which 3.64 billion people have been killed. The value of the destruction of these armies would pay for a golden belt around the world 97.2 miles in width and 33 feet thick. Six, since 650 B.C., there have been over 1,600 arms races, 
only 16 which have not ended in war. The remainder have ended in economic collapse of every country that was involved. Nations come, nations rise, nations fall. The Bible says in Psalm 2, why do the nations oppose God? I want to tell you, there's a world system here that cannot stand the things of Christ. They are opposed to me and you who want to follow Christ, who have been redeemed and called by his name. They oppose us. There's the world system and then there's the kingdom system. I want to tell you right now that God will always have the final word. We win. If you're in Christ, you've already won. But we win in the end. No matter what happens to us, we win. That's the reason why when we come and worship on Sunday mornings, it's the battle cry of praise because God is fighting our battles. He's leading us through this thing so that we can bring glory to himself, so that we can proclaim the gospel. We can see those who are without Christ come to Christ, see their lives change, and see them get on mission with God, and see God do wonderful things because in the end, the only name that matters is Jesus Christ. And that's the why the church exists, is because of Jesus. The Bible says, who has the final word? Well, verse 7 tells us who? The Lord of armies. The commanding general of the entirety of heaven's armed forces. That's who has the final say. The God that we serve is not some meek God. The Bible says that the first time that Jesus came, he came clothed in humanity. But the next time that Jesus comes, he's going to be clothed in his glory and his magnificence. And he's going to defeat every enemy with a sword from his mouth. All Jesus is going to do is say that it is finished one more time. And guess what? It's finished. I'm so grateful that the same words that told Lazarus to come forth is the same one that will look on his foes and said, it's over. That's the power of the God that we serve. He is a strong refuge. He is a stronghold that can always be found, that he's never shaken. Listen to what 1 Peter chapter 3 says. Dear friends, don't overlook this one fact. With the Lord, one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like one day. The Lord does not delay his promise, as some understand delay, but is patient with you, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. And on that day, the heavens will pass away with a loud noise. The elements will burn and be dissolved, and the earth and the works on it will be disclosed. Since all these things are to be dissolved in this way, it is clear what sort of people you should be in holy conduct and godliness. As you wait for the day of God and hasten its coming, because of that day the heavens will be dissolved with fire and the elements will melt with heat. But based on his promise, we wait for new heavens and a new earth where righteousness dwells. Therefore, dear friends, while you wait for these things, make every effort to be found without spot or blemish in his sight at peace. Also, regard the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our dear brother Paul has written to you according to the wisdom given him. He speaks about these things in all of his letters, though there are some things hard to understand in them. The untaught and unstable will twist them to their own destruction as they do with the rest of the scriptures. Therefore, dear friends, since you know this in advance, be on your guard. 
so that you are not led away by the error of lawless people and fall from your own stable position, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It's to him to be glory both now and to the day of eternity. So God can always be found. God is always stable. And the third point, I'm telling you, we're moving. God's always inviting. Verses 8 and 9, the Bible says this, Come and see the works of the Lord who brings devastation on the earth. He makes war cease throughout the earth. He shatters bow and cuts spears to pieces. He sets wagons ablaze. Come and see the works of the Lord. He brings his righteousness and his holiness in his judgments. He ends all wars. Do you have a war going on in your heart? He can end that war today. He will defeat all of his enemies. And there's no if, ands, or buts. It's just a matter of when. And verses 8 and 9 give us this thing about a lot about a chaos and about how God will come on that day and he will just bring peace. And that leads right into verse 10. Be still and know that he is God. You know, our nature is to rebel against God. Since Adam and Eve fell in the garden, our nature is to rebel against God. See, one of the crazy things is, is to know God is to personally experience the peace he gives when we see sin how God sees sin. But according to our nature, we want to rebel against God. We want to give in to what Satan did when he tempted Adam and Eve and said, did God really say that? Hey, God, why don't you take a back seat to this time? I've got it in my own power. I've got it. I want to tell you, if the church takes its eyes off Jesus Christ, it has no power. If you as a believer take your eyes off Jesus Christ, you have no power. The power is not yours to wield any way that you want to or for your mission. The power is for God to accomplish his mission in your life. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Because... This whole thing about rebelling against God, sin is an act of rebellion. It's not like Star Wars where the rebellion is good. This is an act of rebellion against a holy God. It's an act of separation. We separate ourselves from God with and by and through our sin. And it's an act of war because the Bible says that he hates sin. And he brings judgment on sin. So to be still is to stop fighting. Stop fighting against God and know that he is God. Do you know how easy it is for the believer to fight against God? Do you know how easy it is for the believer to go with our own, our own feelings at times than with what God says? Do you know how easy it is to do that? It's very easy. But the Bible says this very clearly, and that's where the power source comes for the church. He says this, stop fighting. Know God, that, know God is God. Stop fighting. See God how God sees him. See you how God sees you. And see the world how God sees the world. I'm going to start clapping. Don't get me going. Listen to Romans chapter 5. But God proves his own love for us, and while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 
How much more then, since we have now been justified by his blood, will we be saved from his wrath? For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, then how much more having been reconciled, will we be saved by his life? Isn't that a great verse? Listen to what John chapter 3 says. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that everyone who believes on him may have eternal life. For God loved the world in this way, or so loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only Son that, so that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Verse 17, for God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Verse 18, anyone who believes in him is not condemned. But anyone who does not believe is already condemned because he has not believed in the name of the one and only Son of God. This then is the judgment. Light has come into the world and people love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Can I remind you who says this? Look at verse 11. It's the same one as in verse 7. This is the Lord of armies. The commanding general of all the armies of heaven is saying this same thing to us now. Trust Christ. Stay focused on Christ. Christ is your life. You have no fruit. You can bear no fruit. You cannot accomplish the mission of God. You can't make a godly decision without the power of God in your life and without Jesus Christ in the center. If I could beg you this morning, dear believer, put Christ in the center. Don't put him second. He doesn't want to be second. He cannot be second. If you put him second, your number one's in trouble. You know that little monkey that goes up there and goes like, tee, tee, tee. okay, I'm not asking you to be a monkey. No, I'm not. But it's that one little thing that you say and that you see, the power of God. Because the Lord of armies said this. For the believer, the gospel message never gets old. That's what I'm talking about today. It is the gospel message. Because God's just like a father. He's tender, compassionate, loving, and forgiving to his children. But to someone who's not part of his family, he oppose, who opposes his family, he becomes a force that will defend and protect. I don't know about you, but I want God's protection. I don't know about you, but I want God's peace. I want to be forgiven of my sin. You give me five minutes in my own carnality, I can ruin my marriage, I can ruin my family, I can ruin my ministry, I can ruin my life. And Satan doesn't even have to be a part of it because I am naturally in rebellion against God because of sin. But thankfully, Christ on the cross took care of that. He gave me a way that I could be free. And it's the gospel message that Jesus came and took my place and died for me so that I wouldn't have to die for my sin. He paid a debt that I couldn't pay because the task was greater than I, would, I could ever afford to pay. I was thinking about this song and I was, I was telling Logan this morning, I was going to preach against worship leaders. So I said it, told him not, it's not about him, it's in some other church. But I, anyways. But I remember going and being raised in the Southern Baptist Church long before I came to faith in Christ. And we had two books that we sang out of. We have the Baptist Hymnal, 
which I guess next to the Bible. Never mind. And then we had the Heavenly Highway hymnal. You remember that? It's the Red Book. And I remember going and uh, where I'm from in North Mississippi, I can remember this, that we had revival. And when we had revival, we had it in the daytime and nighttime. And in the daytime, it was all senior adults. And I was a kid. But they would always sing the songs out of the Red Book more than they would the, the Baptist hymnal. And, I, and I, I'm going, with, going somewhere with this. And I remember the stories. I'm, I remember the songs. I'm washing dishes. And I, for some reason in my house, I wash dishes a lot. Evidently, now I'm going to wash them even more. But <laughs> I, I'm sitting there and I wash dishes. And when I wash dishes, I start humming these things. Songs that I hadn't heard in 20 or 30 years. And I, I can only get bits and pieces and then they start coming back. Because my, I can remember my great-grandmother. Her name is Marguerite. She's in heaven now. I remember her standing up there with a, a group of ladies and they would sing. They were awful singers. They were awful singers. But they sang. And they sang the songs. They didn't even need the books. They, they sang the songs. And there's one song that they sing uh, that I always think about. It's the land of unclouded day. That's a cool song. I can't sing it. But I really think about that song. I, and I'll hum it. I'll hum it a lot. But there's another story. There's another song that came to my mind, and as it came to my mind, I remembered this one, and, and last night I went to bed with this song on my mind, and I woke up with it this morning, and I just want to read the words because I'm not singing this bad boy. <laughs> you know that monkey thing we just talked about? Now listen to the words. I love to tell the story of unseen things above, of Jesus and his glory, of Jesus and his love. I love to tell the story because I know it is true. It satisfies my longings as nothing else can do. And if you're doing like me, you're singing it in your mind if you know it. I love to tell the story. It will be my theme and glory to tell the old, old story of Jesus and his love. I love to tell the story more wonderful it seems than all the golden fancies of all my golden dreams. I love to tell the story it did so much for me, and that is just the reason I tell it now to thee. I love to tell the story, tis pleasant to repeat what seems each time I tell it more wonderfully sweet. I love to tell the story, for some have never heard the message of salvation from God's holy word. I love to tell the story for those who know it best seem hungry and thirsty to hear it like the rest. And when in scenes of glory, I sing a new, new song, it will be the old, old story that I have loved so long. See, the gospel never gets old. If the gospel about Jesus Christ coming and dying and being resurrected again gets old, you need to check your heart because it is what has changed us. It is what has saved us. It is what has sealed us. It is what has gave us purpose in life. It's what's forgiven us of our sin and assured us of heaven as our home. 
But for the unbeliever, make no mistake. God is indeed a refuge for you. He has the strength to change your life, but you still have a choice. Today, the Holy Spirit of God has been using his word like that river that we talked about earlier. He has directed his grace and his mercy towards your life this day. He has shown you and will continue to show you your need for Jesus. You don't need anyone to tell you what you already know. Faith through repentance is the next step that you need to take. So what does that mean? And I'm going to use an old acrostic of faith. Faith through repentance. Faith is forgiveness. Every one of us in here today has sinned and needs God's forgiveness. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. God's forgiveness is in Jesus only. It's in him that we have the forgiveness and redemption of sin. But forgiveness is available. It's available to all, but it's not automatic. The Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall never perish but have everlasting life. But it's not automatic. You don't absorb it. You don't get it by being a church member. You don't get it by doing good. The Bible says you're, you're good before God is like filthy rags, marred in sin. Forgiveness is there. It's available, but it's not automatic. And it's impossible. It's impossible for you to get to God on your own. You cannot do it. It's by grace that you are saved through faith. It's not that of yourself is the gift of God. And the T stands for turn. Turn means to change direction. Turn means to repent. Turn means to turn from our sin and ourself. We turn from sin, but we turn to Christ. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. And H stands for heaven. Heaven is the place that is allocated for the believer to spend all of eternity. But I want to tell you, heaven is more than a place. Heaven's a person. Heaven is Jesus. Wherever Jesus is, is heaven. And the moment that you receive what Jesus did in his finished work on the cross, at that moment, the Holy Spirit comes and indwells your life to give you a deposit of heaven that is guaranteed of the full payment that is coming. Philippians chapter 2 says this, Adopt the same attitude as Christ Jesus, who existed in the form of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. And when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. For this reason, God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow in heaven and on earth, and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You can either kneel to Jesus as the one who can redeem your life, or you will kneel to Jesus as the one who is the holy judge. Every one of us will have to make this decision for ourselves. Your mom and dad can't make it for you. Your husband or wife can't make it for you. Your brothers, cousins, aunties, brothers, sisters, uncles, cousins can't make it for you. But as the Holy Spirit moves, how do you need to respond to what God says in his message? At this moment, how you respond now impacts all of eternity. Every decision that you make pertaining to Christ impacts 
eternity. Will you make Christ your refuge, your stronghold today? Will you? Have you? Believer, will you make Christ your all? Will you make him your focal point today? I don't know what you're struggling with, but I want to tell you this. I struggle just as much as you do. I am so grateful yesterday is history. I'm so grateful yesterday, literally yesterday, is gone. Yesterday was just a bad day. It was a horrible day. Don't you have horrible days? Aren't you glad there's some days that are just gone that you wish you can just forget? I want to tell you, I wish I could forget my life before I came to Christ. I wish I could forget it. But I'm so grateful that the moment that Jesus Christ forgave my sins, he cast my sins as far as the east is from the west, and he remembers my sin no more. I'm, glad, I'm grateful that as a believer, God has, he doesn't have amnesia. He doesn't overlook it. He says it's paid in full. God doesn't take our sin and say, that's just a mistake. No sin's a mistake. Can I tell you right now that every sin that, you cre that, that creeps into your life or that, that comes into your life is because of something that you decided that you wanted in your life? Nobody can make you sin. Only you can make yourself sin. And because you make yourself only you can make yourself sin. Only God can deal with you on an individual basis. God doesn't save everybody at one time. He saves one person at a time, one person at a time, one person at a time. Maybe today you're that one person. Maybe you've come to Christ, and maybe things are not right in your life with Christ. Maybe your walk's out of culture. Aren't you grateful for the grace and mercy of God? God can set that bone straight, and you can walk out of these doors today regaining him in his mission for your life. I want to tell you, when we lift up God, God's word, and we focus on Jesus Christ, and we give the Holy Spirit the power and freedom to move, lives change. I hope that you will consider today what Christ is asking you to do. Will you pray with me, Father, in Jesus' name? It's your word, your power. God, you do what only you can do. Move hearts, change minds. Lord, help us to worship you in spirit and truth. In Jesus' name, amen.